0: are listening to the Batflip podcast a baseball podcast from belly up sports and the belly up podcast network here are your hosts damien and matt welcome back everyone to the Batflip podcast my name is damien i'm here with my co-host matt we are coming to you on uh january 19th 2021 how are you doing matt
1: i'm doing very well how about yourself
0: i'm doing all right you know just I uh, had a, had a nice fun weekend. Went out of town, went up to the mountains, and just you know got away for a little for a little bit for this weekend. So it was a it was a good little reset.
1: Hey, that's awesome. That that's always a fun thing to do, and uh, that's um you know sometimes it's good to get away for sure. <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. Well, we have a we had a lot happen in the baseball world this week. Actually, um, a lot of moves happening. You know, free agency seems to be kicking off a little bit and and moving a bit. We still had another big trade. Um, depending on that, we do have another unfortunate, uh, you know, passing that we're going to start off this episode, and that's with a uh, Hall of Famer, Don Sutton. You know, he spent 16 seasons with Los Angeles, uh, with the Dodgers, three seasons with the California Angels, three with the Milwaukee uh, Brewers, two with the Houston Astros, and one with the Oakland Athletics. Um, you know, has 324 wins, 3.26 ERA. He's a four-time All-Star, a 1998 Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, He was 75 years old, and uh, he does have his number retired by the Dodgers, his number 20. Uh, I don't know if he has it retired with anybody else, but uh, he was 75 years old, and he actually has a connection to the Braves. Is that right, Matt?
1: Yeah, he he had been on the Braves radio broadcast for uh, the last, man, probably – about as long as he was on the Dodgers team I think about 17, 18 years and uh, he had been in the radio booth for the last several years. He had been on TV a little bit before that but uh, he was a fantastic announcer you know sounded like a really good guy. Um, you know he, he was really good at you know big moments and, and games and he he sounded like a natural announcer. He didn't sound like somebody who had converted from a from a player to being a color commentator or something you know he was calling play by play and uh he is very talented in the booth as much as he was on the on the field and uh he's definitely going to be missed he had had missed the last couple seasons from uh he had a broken uh broken leg in 2019 that caused him to miss the season when he was um, uh, you know going to call about 81 games and then in 2020 he missed because of the pandemic and um you know there had been reports that his health was kind of waning a little bit in the last couple years and uh you know it's They haven't announced exactly what the cause of death was, but it's very sad. Um, You know, our prayers are going directly to his family and friends. And, uh, you know, he's going to be missed for for absolute sure um, by, you know, everyone in baseball, not just Braves fans and not just Dodgers fans and, you know, the other teams he played for, but everybody's going to miss him because he's a very, very good ambassador for the sport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He really was. Um, and just to you know, jump from this one to another kind of unfortunate story that we really don't want to hit too much on, um, but we do. We feel the need to because it was part of our show earlier this off season it was about the Mets hiring their general manager Jared Porter. Um, he had got rave reviews from around the league and everything, um, but he is he has now been fired. Um, he is in an investigation going on about some. Misconducts with him sending a bunch of messages to a female uh, employee in his time back in 2016 with the Cubs. Um, not much else we really want to hit on there, but we felt the need to at least say that because you know we had hit on it before. And and if we could talk about future Mets moves and whatever, you're not going to hear him mentioned.
1: Yeah, that was a very unfortunate situation involving you know him, you know really being out of out of touch uh, and. Um, you know, being very creepy and, you know, a lot of misconduct there. And uh, of course the Mets, um, you know, have Sandy Alderson acting as their president and he's got a lot of say in day-to-day type stuff. So I believe Sandy Alderson will be able to handle them pretty well, but uh, it is an unfortunate situation for the Mets and for him and, you know, the lady that he was uh, sending those messages to that included, you know, some explicit images and stuff um she uh, you know she left baseball entirely after that she was a media member so um you know that's very unfortunate on all sides and uh you know you hate to see things like that happen and um it's you know it's rough and you know obviously he you know he definitely deserves especially since this was a, a case of someone that was in the baseball in the baseball world um you know this is something that definitely needs to be dealt with in the way it was and firing him so um, you know, unfortunate for the Mets, you know, a lot of people had said that this guy was, you know, a pretty stand-up guy and was going to do a really nice job there. And obviously that ended up not being the case, but you never know, you know, sometimes people are hiding things and have things that come up out of their past that you can't figure out until you, till it happens. So, um, you know, that's unfortunate, but I uh, don't want to talk about that too much because we've got an action packed show with a lot of free agents this week. So, yeah. uh, if we want to start off here, we're going to talk about a free agent that signed a one-year, $6 million contract with the um, Philadelphia Phillies. And this is this is probably possibly my favorite move out of all these, uh, and this would be Archie Bradley, a relief pitcher. So uh, if you want to talk about him for a second, Damian.
0: Yeah, we've talked about how the Philadelphia Phillies need a lot of bullpen help. And, you know, this deal, we've talked about Archie Bradley as well once he got non-tendered about, you know, we didn't know quite why. I mean, if you look at his stats ever since he, um, you know, went to a full-time bullpen role, because um, 2015, 2016, he was a starter, really, and he had, like, over a 5 ERA. Um, that first year, in 2017, he had a 173 ERA, a 261 FIP. Um Ever since he's transitioned to that full-time bullpen role, he's been a really good reliever. You know, and he's had, you know, a mid three ERA this year is under three, you know, obviously only 18 innings this year, about a 10 strikeout per nine guy, you know, he loses command and will walk people every once in a while and he has the occasional blow up game. Um, But overall, I mean, he's a very solid major league relief pitcher and and back end, you know, high leverage. He can, I don't know if he's going to be quite a closer, but I mean, he could possibly fill that role for them at some point. Um, but more, more better fitted for maybe a seventh or eighth inning role, um, if they can find you know a, a true closer in that uh, in that bullpen. But he's he's been a very solid reliever. I mean, it, it's a good move for the Phillies who have struggled with bullpen for the past couple years.
1: Yeah, this is a great move for the Phillies. Uh, you know, one year deal for six million dollars, so it's not you know, it's not a long-term commitment where you worry We're a little bit about Archie Bradley. He has been a little bit inconsistent, even as a reliever, um, you know, but you're, you're not gonna have a long-term commitment and he's a guy who can help them immediately. Uh, you mentioned he, he might not be a closer in most places. I, I'm assuming he probably will in Philly at, at this point, at least with the state of their bullpen. But, um, you know, with a, um, he, he's a guy who can also pitch multiple innings at times. He has, at least in in his career as a reliever um, and uh, that he was used a little bit of a jack of all trades type situation when he was with the D backs. And, um, you know, he pitched really well this year, even though it was, it was only 18 innings, but, um, you know, he, he threw well, he cut his walk rate a lot this year. So uh, this is a good, uh, I think this is a great move for the Phillies. I mean, there's really no downside to it. If he doesn't do well, he walks after this year and you can you know spend that money elsewhere but if he does well you might be able to if you're not in contention then you can flip him at the deadline you know he'd be a premium reliever and you know he's a guy who's going to help you be in contention if you're the Phillies so um I think it's a good move for on both sides too because Archie Bradley's going to get a chance to really be the guy in that bullpen so I think it's a great move
0: well our next uh you know move was also another bullpen move and that was Pedro Bryas, um signed a two-year $12.5 $12.5 million deal with the Houston Astros. Um, Pedro Baez coming over from the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, he's been he's been a really good um, relief pitcher throughout his entire career um, with the Dodgers. He does tend to have his blowups in the biggest moments, it seems like. Other than that, though, I mean, he, you know, 288 ERA, 310, 318 the past three years. <clears throat> has a decent strikeout rate. You know, it kind of plummeted a little bit this year, but only in 17 innings. He can walk people at times. At times, he loses the field for either his fastball or his changeup, and really becomes a one-pitch pitcher. Um, but you know, over the course of a season, you know, his nickname's Caballo. He, he he gets a lot of workload, and you can trust him a lot of the times. Um, you know, to go in there and get some get some big outs for you. Other, I mean, really. There's not much to say. I mean, he's he's an under-the-radar guy that really just, you know, he goes about his business, doesn't really make much noise, and he really gets unaffected, like, by his facial expressions and everything. He's just really calm with one demeanor the entire time. Um, so, I mean, good move for the Astros, you know, especially with them losing some of the key pieces out of that bullpen already. So...
1: Yeah. I agree with you on this one. Uh, Pedro Baez is a a solid reliever. One of the stats that I, I, when I researched him a little bit, you know, his career numbers, I'd always thought he was a pretty good reliever, but his worst career season, he had a 3.35 ERA and I thought that was pretty spectacular. I I haven't seen, you know, typically with relievers as volatile as they can be. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, but sometimes he's a guy who his peripherals aren't, aren't that great. Um, you know, in 2020, he had a 4.43 FIP, uh, which is the Fielding Independent Pitching stat. And um, as Damian mentioned, his, his strikeout drop down to 6.88 from his career number of 9.33. Now, he didn't pitch much this year innings-wise, so, you know, that's definitely got something to do with that part of it. But um, he's a guy who's always outperformed his peripheral numbers. Um, as I mentioned, his career – his career um, – fielding independent pitching is above 3.6. And, uh, you know, like I said, his worst season in his career was 3.35. So uh, it's interesting that he might be a guy who, it's hard to say, especially with it being a reliever, he might be a guy that is one of those, you know, that outperforms those metrics, or, uh, you know, you might be seeing some regression coming here. So I do think it's a little bit riskier than, you know, a lot of people would probably consider that just looking at his, you know, career typical uh regular statistics but um you know two years 12 million dollars uh a team option for a third year um you know you're not paying him a super premium um you know i think this is probably about what kind of deal he would get a normal offseason um i think it's a pretty good move for houston they need relievers they need somebody to be a consistent reliever for them and i think that's what pedro Baez is going to be so um i think it's a pretty solid move for them um, but uh, next guy, uh, another Dodger from this past year and for a while, um, is uh, has signed with uh, the team that the Dodgers don't want to see their players sign with. The uh, as Alex Wood moved to the San Francisco Giants on a one-year, three million dollar deal, and I think we both have a lot to say about Alex Wood, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, when he started, um, he's a he's a really good, you know middle of the rotation starter in their major leagues you know he gets a lot of flack because his windups weird and he doesn't really have a high strikeout rate and but he's really you know in his years with the Dodgers he for his first year he came over um, you know he only pitched 60 innings but he had a 373 ERA and then the next two years 150 innings each year you know 272 368 those are very good major league numbers. Um, you know, he went back to the Reds, or he got traded to the Reds, um, and really struggled there. And then his past offseason, re-signed with the Dodgers. In um, and, and more of a swingman role, he only started two games and only pitched really 12 and two-thirds innings. Um, and his his numbers didn't look that great, but, I mean, small sample size, so one, one bad inning could unravel that. But, uh, you know, he actually turned down a bigger deal from the Giants last year. Um, because he said he felt like he had some unfinished business with the Dodgers and that this felt like a perfect scenario for him. Um, and, and know that the Giants, you know, president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, was a part of that Dodgers front office when Alex Wood was there. So they're, they have a good relation, working relationship already, so it's not a surprise to see him go to the Giants, you know, on a one-year $3 million deal, probably in line to start games for them. You know, they had said they wanted a lefty starter, and now they get signed Alex Wood, so you know it, it'll be a, a good ballpark for him as well because he's a really ground ball heavy pitcher and then uh you know going to oracle park which is even uh, fly balls are very hard to get out of that ballpark so bringing a ground ball pitcher in there should be even better for him
1: yeah that's a uh that's a good point about oracle park and uh alex Wood definitely uh I think you hit on it pretty well. He's, he's actually, he's a really good pitcher. Um, he's got a career 345 ERA and uh, you line that up with some of the other guys that have signed. In fact, you know, we'll talk a little while about John Lester and his career ERA is 3.6. So uh, Alex Woods, you know, got good, good numbers. He's in, in his career, he's pitched in 188 games, 138 of those are starts. So he has pitched a pretty good bit out of the bullpen but mostly as a starter. And I think me and you would both agree um, because he's played on both the Braves and the Dodgers that he is better as a starter. I I think he, I think he does a lot better, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, coming out and pitching through the, you know, pitching through an order a couple times and kind of getting into a rhythm because it seems like there's been times he's coming out of the bullpen and, you know, had a really rough outing. Um,
0: Well, one thing that I've noticed with him as well is because he did it with the Dodgers. Um, is he's he's a lot better out of the windup. Mm-hmm. Um, one year he tried to abandon his stretch, and he actually went on to struggle for a long time. And then he went back to the windup and did really good. And that's why when he went has gone to the bullpen, a lot of teams want him to get out of the windup and go just the stretch. And that's when he really struggles quite a bit because um, the way his delivery is, it's a lot easier for him just to keep it in sync as you know in the windup motion instead of just trying to herky jerky it you know, straight out of a stretch.
1: Yeah. And, and another thing, uh, speaking of that part of it, you talk about his windup and, uh, he struggled to stay healthy. I mean, even when he's had really good seasons with the, with the Dodgers, he, he has, uh, you know, missed games and struggled to stay healthy. His windup is very herky jerky. He's got a weird arm action. Um, and, um, uh, you know, that part of that, part of the pitching out of the bullpen, um, is because of that. I mean, it, you know, you you got a guy with his numbers as a starter. You would think he'd keep starting, but there people get teams get worried about his uh his durability and that's why the Braves traded him originally. Um and uh but you know, if you can get a full season out of him as a starter, I mean, his career uh 48.8% ground ball rate, you know, in Oracle Park, he's got that, that 3.45 ERA and 3.51 fifth. That's going to play up. And, mm-hmm. um, I think he's going to have a great season if he can stay healthy, but that's, that's the, really the question is, is he going to stay healthy? And, and that's going to be the, uh, determining factor for him. Um, the next free agent we would like to talk about here, um, it's going to be, um, just very briefly on this one, Jose Martinez. Um, I think he, it's actually a minor league deal he signed, but yeah. I wanted to mention him because he had been traded a couple times, you know, in fairly big trades. Um, he was a part of the, um. Randy Arozarena trade that sent Rosarina to the Rays. He, he went with Arozarena, um in for I believe uh, Matthew Liberatore. Yep. Um, and uh, that was last, last off season and then the mid season he was sent from the Rays to the Cubs. Um, and uh, 2020 was not good for him. Uh, 182 average, 265 on base, 295 slugging, and a 57 WRC plus and to couple that with the atrocious defense he he plays when he's out in the field, um, you know, that d- isn't very good. But in his career, a uh, .289 hitter with a uh, three fifty six on base and a four forty seven slugging with a one hundred seventeen WRC+. plus. So there's a lot of upside with him um, as a hitter. And, uh, you know, if the DH is adopted in the National League, his one-year deal with the Mets, you know, might work out for him um, if he can hit more like that career line than last year, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. That's a, not a huge signing or anything, but, um, you know, just wanted to briefly touch on that one. So,
0: yeah. And this could, I mean, this could play up to be a big deal. Um, just because I want to mention this is that there's been rumblings around the game recently that the DH is actually going to come back to the national league. Um, so a deal like this could be very under the radar. I mean, if you look at the one year where he got, you know, over 500 plate appearances in 2018, He had 590 plate appearances. He was a 305 hitter with 364 on base, you know, 17 home runs, 83 RBIs. That's very good. Um, You know, so if the Mets could get, you know, it's a minor league deal that if he makes the major league team, it's only going to be $1 million anyways. So, I mean, if the DH is coming to the national league, you know, this is a guy you can put on your bench and, Maybe you play as a dh every, you know, couple days or something and give him, you know, close to 500 plate appearances and maybe you you just found yourself, you know, a very good major league hitter. I mean, cuz if he's a hitter, you know, he's shown to be pretty decent at that, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Absolutely. Um, our next deal we had was veteran catcher Kurt Suzuki had signed a 1-year, $1. 1.5 million dollar deal with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim.
1: Yeah, this is a, a pretty good deal. I you know, I'd real familiar with Kurt Suzuki from his time in Atlanta um in uh, 2017 and 2018. Um he's a he's a pretty solid hitter for a catcher. His career line is a 259 average, 316 um 316 uh, on base, 392 slugging, uh 91 wrc plus. He's got 10 career wins above replacement, which is pretty solid for a for a veteran, you know. Kind of platoonish catcher for most of his career. Um, you know, he, he's had above average seasons at the plate in all, each of the last four seasons, above 100 WRC plus, and uh, two of those with Atlanta and two of those with Washington. Um, you know, his defense at, at, at catching leaves a little bit to be desired. He's he's not a great thrower anymore. Um, his um, you know his blocking skills aren't quite as good as some of the other guys. Uh, not a great framer, but he is good at calling games, and he's a veteran backstop, um, and uh, he'll be a good addition to the Angels, I think. He's he's a pretty solid player, and you know I think a one year, one point five million dollar deal for a veteran catcher like this is you know a, a pretty nice deal for both sides. So.
0: Yeah, and and especially with the younger you know a younger pitching staff there, and and not as many veterans you know on the Angels staff. We've always talked about how they need pitching. You know they this was an interesting deal though because they were were rumored to be in on j t real muto um you know obviously suzuki's gonna be a lot less money um but you know if they make this deal that means maybe they're pivoting to you know maybe spending that money in, in a starting pitcher to bring along with kurt Suzuki so maybe something to look out for you know like you said he's not great defensively not you know he's a decent hitter um and he's just he's great at calling games i think that he he's just He's very calm behind that plate, and then yeah. if you listen to like pitchers like Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, and then they love throwing to him, even though you know the numbers don't back it up. Really, uh, they they have a good relationship with him and feel very comfortable with him behind the plate. So, could be could be something to, that could really help the Angels with that young staff.
1: Absolutely, and you know, like I say, I, I think you hit on it exactly i mean he's a good he's a veteran presence to to go along with his skill set that he still got some real skills but he's a veteran presence i think is the biggest way to put it i mean um absolutely so all right well Well, our
0: next yeah the next deal is is a big one that we've actually been waiting on we've talked about it um many times on this on this show we've talked about you know the rumors about this team's interested this team's interested but he ends up staying put and that's DJ LeMahieu. He ended up signing a 6-year, 90 million dollar deal with the New York Yankees. Um it's a little weird on the like whole structure of it if if I'm not mistaken, right?
1: Yeah, um I'm not 100% sure about the actual structure on it. I know he, I, it's 6 I years, 190 million dollars, but
0: I believe it's like the last year they literally just threw it on at like 3 million dollars to help the luxury tax. Um Because the way that luxury tax is in baseball, it counts for your overall contract and not, like, the annual average value of it and not just what each year is. So the way they threw that sixth year on, they threw it on at, like, $3 million to make the hit only $15 million. Um, So it's only going to count $15 million against them. And then in that that last year where he's going to be 37, he's really only going to get paid $3 million.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, you know, I'm not 100% sure why he would agree to that. I mean, but you know, I guess uh, three million dollars well, for a 37-year-old second baseman
0: might not be wanted, the worst thing in the world. But he wanted the the extra year, and the Yankees wanted a certain you know AAV to help them stay under the tax, really. Yeah. Um. So it kind of just worked out like, hey, you know, he's like, hey, I want a sixth year, and they're like, okay, well, then help us get it under a certain value.
1: Gotcha so um that's that's interesting I, I didn't see that but uh when it comes to the player himself um it's <laughs> very good player this might be the biggest uh signing so far right uh, absolutely it is um yeah so obviously it's more of a re-signing because he's staying with the same team staying put but um uh, he's a three-time all-star a three-time gold glover um, and a two-time batting average uh, leader in the National League and the American League, uh, he led the league in batting average. Um, his career numbers are very good: uh, three hundred five, uh, three fifty-seven on base, four thirty slugging, and a one hundred WRC plus. With while playing, you know, Gold Glove caliber defense at second base, um, which is pretty solid. But I mean, what's happened since he's gotten to Yankee Stadium and to the uh, to the New York Yankees has been a power surge. Uh, in 2019 uh 327 375 518 slugging which was easily a career high um 26 homers uh, that's a 136wrc plus and he put up uh, over five wins above replacement and then in 2020 um you know obviously being a shortened season what quiet as you know he didn't do it quite as long but he hit 364 they 421 own base at a 590 slugging uh, hit 10 home runs in the shortened season. That is a 177 WRC plus and uh, 2.5 wins above replacement. So uh, DJ LeMahieu is a guy who has been, a, had a pretty solid career and then got to New York and took off. And uh, you know, he's going to be in New York for six more years. Um, so I think this is a good move. It's a pretty, pretty good uh, AAV for the Yankees. Like, like we discussed a minute ago. Um, he uh, He's a guy who I, I think for a couple of years is going to be a really uh, good value on that contract. And then, you know, as he ages, you know, that maybe that changes a little bit. But it's, um, you know, the Yankees should be extremely excited to bring it back. D.J. LeMahieu for a long term deal.
0: Yeah. And what what's good about LeMahieu is that he's very versatile. So this year alone, he played 37 games at second, 11 at first, 11 at third, and then one at D.H., so, he can pretty much play everywhere in that infield, um, except shortstop. And I mean, I guess you could probably put him there and he won't be too terrible. You know, and everywhere, yeah, second base, he's a very good defensive second baseman. The other places, he's about major league average, which, I mean, if you get a guy who can just be average in those positions, very good for you. The big knock on LeMahieu has been. You know, he's always played in Coors and then Yankee Stadium. And if you look at his home road splits, they're not always the greatest of what he does away from those two real f- hitter friendly ballparks. Um, so I just think that it, it was a good deal for Lemayhu. He's had, you know, very good success at that ballpark and and with the Yankees. There was no sense for him to really leave. You know, you heard that the Blue Jays were interested and the Dodgers were interested and this team was interested, but it, it just really felt like that was just a you know, a play to get the Yankees to pay up a little bit more money or, or a couple extra years on it. You know, it's come out that the Dodgers' offer was like four years at like 60 million dollars. Um, so that's right around the same AAV, but he got two extra years. So, you know, very good deal for him, and, and hopefully he goes back and you know just continues to have the success. He's always been one of those you know very underrated guys, and you know when he did play the Rockies, was a guy I hated them facing because he always seemed to ha- play very well against them
1: yeah for sure he's a solid player um and i'm sure with his profile he'll continue to be solid for at least a few more years in new york um so uh moving on to our next player um this is a uh probably the most dj lemahue was the biggest signing this is probably the most uh you know recognizable and um you know uh accomplished name on our list this week uh and that would be um you know none other than John Lester. Um, he was a uh, you know obviously with the Cubs uh, and the Red Sox where he's been famous for. He actually the funny thing is his best career season by winds up of replacement. He was on the Athletics for half of that season. Um, nobody really remembers that, but um, he uh, he signed a one year five million dollar deal uh, with the Washington Nationals. Um, and this is a guy who, as I said, uh, accomplished five time All Star three-time world series champion, uh, very, very good pitcher. His career numbers, uh, which is I believe he's, his first season was in 2006. It might've been 2007. Um, but his career numbers a, uh, 3.60 ERA, um, you know, eight strikeouts per nine, over eight strikeouts per nine, under three walks per nine in his career, uh, 2019, um, you know, one seven, 171 innings pitched, um, uh, you know a 446 era his numbers have started to rise late in his career this past year um 61 innings pitched. so he really that's pretty much a full full load for the pandemic shortened season um he threw um healing his, his strikeout rate dropped down to 6.2 strikeouts per nine um and uh his era went up over five for the first time in his career so um you know this is a guy who is in the you know last few years of his career and a veteran presence, maybe a stabilizing part of that nationals rotation that they really need stability because of pitching injuries to their front runners in that rotation Um, and Scherzer getting on up there in age. So um, I think um, this is a pretty good signing for, for Washington. And I think, you know, for John Lester, um, you know, he's going to go to a different team that, you know, maybe, I don't know if Washington's going to be a contender this year, really, but, you know, they're probably in a better position than the Cubs to to figure something out. So um, this will be a very cool, uh, very, you know, very solid move from both ends.
0: Yeah. And what uh, I found it interesting because he signed the one year five million with, you know, with the Nationals. Um, but he had went to the Cubs like once he had this offer and was like, hey, give me like one at three you know he was willing to take a discount and they couldn't come up with the 2 million dollars or whatever even that to to sign him um so that, that's that just kind of gives a little glimpse at what the cubs are thinking um but as far as John Lester's concerned I mean you know one thing that you didn't really mention that that's going to be big for this Nationals uh, rotation is that he just goes out and pitches every single time he never misses a start You know, if you look at all the way from 2008 to 2019, his lowest start total was 31, and he did that twice. Everything else is 32 and 33, you know, outside of obviously the pandemic shortened season this year and his first two seasons. But he's a guy who will just take the ball, and with that rotation that has the health uncertainty of Max Scherzer, of Steven Strasburg, even Patrick Corbin can be really inconsistent at times you get a guy like John Lester who will just go out there and every single time he's going to give you about 5 innings, you know, on a good day he'll give you 6. And then he, you can just, you know, get out of there, but he'll always be there to take the ball. Uh and so with a team that doesn't have a lot of depth even and with your you know your big horses in that rotation being health risks, injury risks, um, you know, assigning like this it could be it could pay off, be a good payoff and then you know, maybe if he pitches well enough you could flip him at the deadline to a contender possibly.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, either you're going to be in position to contend at the deadline and w- in which case John Lester is probably a big part of that, or you're going to end up, um, being a, in a situation where you got somebody, maybe you could trade to a team that has some injuries or something. Well, um, even that who wants a, who wants a veteran clubhouse president. Oh yeah, for, for sure. For sure. And, and he's a good pro pitcher too. So that could be a part of it as well. Um, but um, he's not the only very accomplished veteran pitcher. Um, in fact, uh, this other guy at his peak is probably better than John Lester at his peak. Um, and for his career is probably a more consistently good pitcher than John Lester, although um, it hasn't been quite as long term of success. Uh, and that would be Corey Kluber. The uh, he signed a one year, ten million million, 11 million dollar deal with the New York Yankees Um he is a three time All Star and a two time Cy Young winner. Um, you know, this is a guy who, for his career, um, <laughs> his numbers are absurd. Um, a 316 career ERA and a 299 career fielding independent pitching, which is absolutely insane. Um, he has a 9.8 strikeout per nine rate and a 1.96 walk per nine rate, which is also insane. Um, as I said, a two-time Cy Young and a three-time All-Star in Cleveland. Uh, but he, uh, the issue here and the reason he's not signing a mega deal is, uh, well, obviously age being part of that too, but um, he missed almost all of 2019. He only pitched 35 innings in 2019, um, and then he pitched one inning in 2020. Uh, so, you know, a grand total of 36 innings over the last two seasons. Um you know injuries have caught up to him and have really derailed what was you know the best possibly the best pitcher in baseball for a while um at least the best pitcher in the american league you know there's obviously a couple of guys in the national league that you know could hold that throne too but um cory kluber was consistently a monster and um you know i think new york um this is you know with that money i mean for a one-year deal it could affect new york on being able to bring in a couple other free agents uh this year 11 million dollars in this pandemic um you know affected season is uh not a it's not a tiny price but um you know with a guy who's as risky as Kluber is coming off these injuries but um you know it's a one-year deal so if if he doesn't that doesn't work out this year then uh you know obviously he'll they can move on after the season but um this is a um you know, this is a guy who, if he's fully healthy and he's back to form, um, he is probably the best pitcher on the Yankees if he's at his peak form, which uh, is saying something because they have that Garrett Cole guy, too. But uh, we'll see what yeah. happens here.
0: And and this is really this came out of nowhere, really. I mean, Corey Kluber, he had a bullpen last Wednesday that I think they said 24, 25 teams showed up to. And he was hitting 88 to 90 on his pitches already um and and for this you know into the middle of the off season like this those are really good numbers already you know once he starts ramping up into spring training and then you know into the middle of the season you're looking at a guy who could be you know and up to 92 93 again um and with his pitches with his sinker with that fastball with the cutter the, the slider he has that's absolutely enough to be disgusting and to be filthy um you know, so it's good to see that that the velocity is back because it had been something that had been, you know, talking point from that 2019 year and even in 2020 we something we knew wasn't right in that one inning. So that that's good and hopefully he can have that health in it. You know, that Yankees rotation they are going to be the ultimate boom or bust rotation because you're going to have guys like Luis Severino coming back off Tommy John, you're going to have Corey Kluber, you're going to have what's Domingo Herman going to be? Is he even going to pitch? You know, you got a couple. Younger guys in the Garcia and Clark Schmidt, you know, obviously you have Garrett Cole at the top, but what are your other guys going to give you? You know, signing, signing Corey Kluber, you know, it takes them pretty much out of bringing Masahiro Tanaka back. Most likely takes them out of bringing James Paxton back and not sure what other starting pitchers really fit that. I mean, if you're looking for a couple depth pieces, maybe. Um, but that rotation is going to be really boomer bust, you know, and and if like, like uh, Matt said, if you can get Kluber at his form and Garrett Cole at his form, that's going to be a scary one-two punch to have to face at any time, which we've already know the Yankees are so good and make deep playoff runs as it is, um, you know, and they pretty much brought everybody else back. Uh, so this is, this is a very good sign. I'm very interested to see what Corey Kluber can do, you know, and then he's going to be 35 and next year and maybe he can get you know a one last couple you know two or three year deal for mega money if he if he comes back healthy um he turned the one thing is he did turn down bigger deals to go to the yankees and have a shot to win um and be in the new york spotlight pretty much so that that's something interesting to say you know maybe he had a, a deal for a guy you know he had a deal maybe for like 15 million dollars and when coming into this offseason we didn't know if he would get five um and to turn that down to you know four million dollars even to go have a shot to win it, it says something about what he thinks of himself right now so
1: yeah that's um definitely uh definitely true and um you know i think that that's going to be one of the more interesting uh stories to look at as the season begins here not too far from now just a couple months um so that's pretty much it for the free agents this week uh we just had a one today that uh kirby yates has signed with the uh blue jays uh we'll, we'll discuss that one next week as the news just broke earlier today and uh, you know the contract um terms and stuff are still uh up in the air a little bit but uh we'll, we'll probably talk about that one some next week on the show um so uh now let's move on to we had a semi-major trade i wouldn't quite call it a blockbuster but uh pr- you know pretty big trade here this week um as the uh San Diego Padres, uh, once again, (laughs) make a move for a starting pitcher. And uh, this time they have gone after the Pirates starter, Joe Musgrove, um, who, um, you know, is a pretty solid pitcher, younger guy. Um, The New York Mets were involved in this deal. Um, This was a three team deal. The Mets got uh, Joey Lucchesi from the um, Padres and the Pittsburgh Pirates where the Joe Musgrove was, is from acquired uh, a bunch of prospects, Um, Hudson head, David Bednar, Omar Cruz, Drake fellows. They all came from San Diego and Indy Rodriguez came from the New York Mets. So um, Damien, if you want to talk about the big league pieces involved in this deal and I'll uh, I'll get the prospects after that.
0: Yeah, um, you know we talked about Joey Lucassi a little bit last week. He was supposed to be, you know, maybe the fifth starter, a depth piece for um, uh, for San Diego. He's been, you know, solid in his first two years. He had about a four ERA, that's about major league average. Um, and then this past into this season, he only pitched five and two thirds, and he he really struggled. Um, but it's only one game or three games, really. But uh, you know he'll be a depth piece for the for the Mets going forward. I mean. He's gonna be solid. He's more looked at about a five, maybe six type pitcher. Um, not much really about him. Musgrove, you know, he's really usually underperformed what his, you know, peripheral numbers say. Um, you know, he has a career 4.33 ERA, but his fit for his career is 3.9. Um, he really took a step up this year in his strikeouts per nine. His walks per nine also jumped up a little bit. I've always thought there was a little bit more in the tank for Musgrove. Um, you know, he, he started off with the Astros, and off, he was a part of that Garrett Cole trade the first time um, when Garrett Cole got traded from the Pirates to the Astros. Uh, and there had been rumors about him being traded this offseason anyways. Uh, you know, you had heard the Yankees were in on him. You've heard the Blue Jays were in on him, the Red Sox. Um, we really hadn't heard the Padres anywhere around him um, until you know the deal was pretty much announced. And actually, he's from the San Diego area. So Joe Musgrove is pretty much going home to his hometown to go pitch for for a team that you know he rooted for for quite a bit. Um, you know, I I think this is going to be this this next season is going to be a big step for for Musgrove. He he really turned around a three eighty six ERA 342 FIP this year. I think he's really underrated and that, you know, you might see a breakout season from him this year and he he can probably move up to that number three kind of pitcher on a normal rotation. Obviously he's going to be battling for the fourth or fifth spot in this rotation with the, the stud they have. Um, but it kinda of signals that maybe they don't think that Danielson LeMet is as healthy as he should be. You know, maybe he needs surgery or, or even then they're gonna kinda of ease him into this off or into this season and you know, play a little safe with him, maybe not have him pitch as deep or pitch as many innings or, or have an innings count. Uh so it, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But i I think this is a very good deal for A. J. Priller once again.
1: Yeah, Musgrove is a guy who I think is very uh possibly, you know, a victim of playing in Pittsburgh at times. Um, You know, Pittsburgh's a pretty decent hitters park and, um, and and Musgrove has been playing in front of a pretty average defense um, for most of his, for his entire tenure in Pittsburgh. Um, So, you know, maybe that has a little bit to do with his um, numbers being higher than his, um, you know, his fit. And there's other reasons that that could be, I I haven't dug too deep into it yet, but um, you know, I think he's a solid pitcher and, you know, he'll slot into the, middle or back into that rotation, depending on who all is healthy and who all is not. Um, and, you know, Luke Cassie, I think you hit on pretty, pretty perfectly. He'll be probably more kind of a swing man, a depth starter. Um, you know, the Mets maybe can start him as number five. So Lugo can pitch out of the pen. Um, I think that's something that you might be looking at there. Uh, but uh, the main thing here is the return that the pirates got that we haven't discussed yet. Um, they got, you know, some pretty decent pieces from, from this trade. Um, the, Biggest piece I believe they got came from San Diego and uh, that would be Hudson head. The um, he's the pirates number seven prospect now in, on the FanGraphs graphs page. Um, he's a 19 year old outfielder. He's got a pretty solid, uh, you know, above average tools across the board. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to wow you with anything, but he's, he's, he's a pretty solid prospect. Um, he was a third round pick in 2019 um, out of high school. Um, so, you know, pretty solid guy there. Um, Bednar, um, is the, pi uh, is a reliever, um, from, for the Pirates, number 23 prospect in their, uh, farm. Um, he's got a pretty good fastball and curveball combo, throws a splitter as well. Uh, his issue is probably going to be command. Um, I think that a lot of the, um, services are, um, you know, a little bit low on his ability to throw, Throw quality strikes, even though I think his walk rates have actually been okay in the minor leagues so far. Um, Cruz is uh, a 21-year-old left-handed pitcher. Um, he hasn't pitched very much above, like, low A. Um, he's got really high strikeout numbers, but poor command. He's not on any prospect lists, uh, top 30s at least. Uh, probably, you know, ends up being a reliever. Uh, Drake fellows is actually a very interesting guy. He was a sixth rounder out of Vanderbilt in 2019, but, uh, he has yet to pitch in the minor leagues because of, um, battling lymphoma. Um, and, uh, he's cancer free now. So, um, you know, we'll probably get to see him, uh, you know, pitch some this year. Um, he obviously he was battling lymphoma in 2019, you know, that kept him from pitching and then 2020, he would have been cleared, but there was no minor league season. So we didn't get to see him last year. And then, uh, the last guy in the deal, uh, this is the guy that came from the Mets for, um, for, for the, to the, to the pirates is, uh, Indy Rodriguez, who is a 20 year old catcher. Um, he's got really good numbers in the minor leagues hitting wise. Now they are rookie ball and, uh, it's a pretty small sample size, but he's got a really good walk rate. he seems to have a good approach at the plate so far. um, you know and his numbers have been great you know he's got a high on base percentage um and uh you know pretty good slugging percentage and um he's a guy who uh you know he play only played 31 games in 2019 but in those 31 games he really killed it and uh he is going to slot in at number 15 on the um on the list and uh i think teams are a little worried about his uh power potential but he's um you know, and and if he's going to stick at catcher because he is a catcher, he's a switch hitter. Um, you know, maybe compare him a little bit to Victor Caratini, um, in the future. It could be a, could be a comparison for him, but, um, interesting stuff here. Um, I think, um, you know, the pirate, the Padres definitely got five guys and they got three guys that are slotting into their top 30 list. So, um, they definitely got some quantity of pretty good players. Um, you know, I think, um, You look at, um, you know, the, the Musgrove, a guy who probably could have fetched you a top 100 prospect, but you know, that probably would have been about it. So, uh, very interesting stuff here. Um, I'm, uh, pretty excited to see what, um, what the, uh, you know, what the, what the outcome of this is. It'll be interesting to see if Musgrove is able to improve on those, uh, get, get those peripheral numbers in in line with his ERA and improve on that ERA a little bit and, if he does, then that just gives the, Padre, I mean the Padres another piece, and like the last thing the Padres need is more pieces, <laughs> so, um, they're uh, it's a pretty solid deal right there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a, it's a good deal for all the way around. You know, Pittsburgh gets some decent prospects for a guy who wasn't going to be around really when they were, you know, ready to win again. The Mets get you know another depth kind of bullpen arm for you know a third string catcher that they just. You know they probably won't need because they just signed James McCann, and you know San Diego gets another serviceable number four, number five starter that can you know play above that um, in that rotation. So okay. it's 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 one of those deals that's a win-win-win all the way around.
1: Yeah, and it's worth mentioning, too, that Joe Musgrove uh, actually has uh, two years of control. He's He's got 2021, and then he's ARB eligible in 2022. He doesn't become a free agent until 2023. So um, I think that was worth mentioning because um, it's not just a one-year rental deal here for him. Absolutely.
0: So. Well, I think that's all we pretty much have on this episode, unless you got anything else.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have anything else uh, real important to add, just um, glad that the market's starting to move along a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that, you know, the Padres are really the team that's made all the moves. I mean, we've seen some teams make some moves, like, you know, Mets have made a few moves. Um, You've got, um, you know, teams obviously have traded away guys, uh, but most of the moves that teams have made, maybe you could argue the Braves early on, made a couple of, pretty big one year signings with, uh, money wise, you know, and Drew Smiley and, uh, and, uh, Charlie Morton. But, um, you know, in the last for, for when it comes to just teams adding lots of pieces and going into contention mode, I mean, you really haven't seen all that much. Um, you know, Washington's been pretty active the last couple of weeks, adding, uh, Lester and Schwarber, adding a couple of Chicago Cubs. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, you know, we we talk about, we talked just briefly about the fact that Kirby Yates looks like he's going to agree to a deal with the Blue Jays. And, um, you know, the Blue Jays apparently are also in on George Springer. So, um, you know, they might be real active in the next week or two as well, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's been an interesting uh, couple weeks here. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, It'll, it'll be interesting to see if the Mets GM situation throws a wrench into anything, uh, especially on the, on the, you know, on the way of George Springer, because um, obviously uh, that's a situation, that's a scenario that uh, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we really, uh, we see. So, um, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens going forward and I'm excited. So
0: it's yeah. going to be good. Well, I will say that uh it, it... It's, it's sounding more and more like Springer's going to make his decision in the next day or two, um, you know, and that the Blue Jays have been making an aggressive push to get him. So we'll see how that turns out, and we'll make sure to uh, to up, keep you guys updated on the next episode. But thank you guys for tuning in to this one. This has been the Bat Flip Podcast, and we will see you guys next week.
1: Thanks for tuning in.